Um, today's stuff is Yud Gimel 13. Um, I just also want to start by again saying that we are uh, continue, of course, to pray and to dedicate the daf for the safe return of the uh, three Israeli boys, teenagers. Um, there's going to be a gathering today at 42nd uh, Street and 2nd Avenue, um, a mass gathering of many, many organizations, Chovetor included. So at 12 o'clock to uh, pray um, and to demonstrate for the uh, for the return of the, of the boys. So if anybody's able to make it um, at that time, that would be uh, greatly appreciated. Um, we um and very meaningful as we're we've been of course learning the idea of being part of public prayer and participating in the Tsar of the Tzibur, which is obviously a theme we're about to continue today. So the Gemara continues and we're a little bit behind and we pick up on Yud Bet Bet, where it says like this. Um um, I'm a Rav Yud, I'm a Rav. Line starts with the Rav. It's about 20 lines down on Yud Betam Bet. So we had a whole discussion before about, again, this issue of Tanit Sibur, which while you can have a Tanit Sibur that starts in the day, it doesn't have all the additional demonstrations of, of, uh, of fasting or of uh, denial, of the wearing of the shoes, etc. But Tanit Sibur as a concept means starting the night before not bathing not having sex not wearing shoes etc and that that does basically does not occur in Bavel because of the lack of concern of rain with the one exception of Tisha B'Av so that was a recent discussion about people that would not wear shoes would still want to wear shoes because it really wasn't a Tanit Sibur even though obviously the community was fasting it didn't have that weight and again once again touching on this issue about Yachid and Rabim and how one participates in that communal practice okay Okay, so now um, we go back, though, because the recurring theme here has been the private ta'anit, um, and um, so we return for this for a little bit before we hit the next <laughs> Mishnah. So let's take a look. Um, we've already learned that a private ta'anit has the Kabbalah mi yom, the statement of Shmuel. We've also learned a statement that the private ta'anit has to go till the end of the day. That was the discussion of ta'anit sha'ot. And now we have this final point. Amarav uporea. A person can borrow his ta'anit and pay it back. So you, a person accepted by himself to fast, um, and this came up also the other day when it came to the issue of encountering a, a one of the days of um, uh, that were on Megillah Ta'anit, that you don't fast on that day, but maybe you pay it up in a different day, um, that this sort of, in a way, makes makes the fast like a thing that you, have, that you owe, and the very language here of you can borrow and pay back. So you can borrow against it. I'll eat today. I'll pay back the tani tomorrow. If something comes up, you don't. You can do it not on the day you originally designated, but on a different day. Um kani de Shmuel. When I said it to Shmuel, Amarli, he said to me, "Vachi neder kibol sagi the lomasin l'tzire nafshe." I don't get it. Um, is it. Is this some type of a vow that it wouldn't be enough? Um, I'm sorry, sagi the lomashalim. It wouldn't be enough if he wouldn't actually fulfill his vow. L'tzire nafshe. He just decided that he wanted to undergo, accept some suffering upon himself, some self-denial. Um, so if he can do it, if he's able to, if he's not able to, he won't do it. Now that's quite shocking because that basically means that Shmuel says there's no binding nature of a private tanit. 
if you have you want to fat you you say you want to spend the day not eating because it's great and if you do it great if not if you're not able to do it okay you had a good intent it was all very lovely but there's no like binding nature that we have to talk about borrowing and paying back and it's not a net there of course remember that it was exactly Shmuel that said yesterday that any Tanit that you were not Mekabel Mi Yom is in a Tanit so the idea that you need a Kabbalah and that that gives the weight to what you're doing transforms what you're doing to just be self-denial into some status of a Tanit Shmuel said yesterday that you needed from the previous day which exactly fits the concept of Neder and Kabbalah and obligation so it's hard to understand this version of Shmuel but we're now going to move into a next version of Shmuel which is much more consistent with what we saw yesterday well, why did he say Mishale Mitzahoy why did he use the language of Mishale no Sagi Delo Mishale is it some type of a vow that it wouldn't be enough if you didn't pay it back? Okay. So the Gemara says like this. So, okay, but that doesn't really fit with what we know about Shmuel, so let's keep on reading. Igadami, some say, Again, you can borrow against it and pay it back. When I said it in front of Shmuel, says Rav Yehuda, because he first learned from Rav and then from Shmuel. He said to me, Peter, of course. It shouldn't be any different than a vow. So, neder milo matzi bai lishulume umeza lamacha liyomachrina. If somebody takes a vow, can't he pay it? You know, the, the next day and the following day. So this is the same type of a thing. Okay, so what? Then he says pita, or then he says you can pay up a vow on a different day. Yeah, yeah that's the thing that's shocking. Right? Exactly. Exactly. So that's the thing that's funny too. Meaning, meaning, you know, okay, this works much better with what we know about Shmuel. There's a Kabbalah mibod yom. The Kabbalah trans forms it from Tzirei Nafshe into a Tanit that it is some sense of a vow but again taking for granted that you can pay up a vow on a different day now I do need to say that there are two types of Nidarim there is the Neder of the Torah which is really what this is much sounds like it's much more similar like the Neder of Yaakov Avinu Yaakov so that's a, basically a promise to do something. And, you know, God then appears to Yaakov, right, in Beit El, and he said, not Beit El, in, uh, in Beit Lavan, and says, it's time to be Mishaling your Neder. Right? So there's an idea you could say, okay, you said you were going to do it. Did he do it at the exact moment or whatever? There's an idea of doing something, and it's not exactly fixed in a particular day. It's more about the action and the religious act that you're going to do. Okay? And maybe it is more about, like, and the Gemara talks about Nidre Mitzvah, like this person says, I'm going to learn a hundred daf by such and such a day. Or here's an example. I'm going to learn these Mishnayas for somebody's Shloshim. Okay, so here's an interesting question. You didn't get it done by the Shloshim. Is there still an idea to do it? And are you still to some degree Mekayim Yerned there, but the evidence if you mix that deadline? Because at the end of the day, the idea really was just to do this religious act. And the exact date you set wasn't, doesn't exactly determine if you're over in your neder or not. You know, we learned in Rosh Hashanah, I give Baal to Acher. But nevertheless, you know, that the date is not all determinant, at least not having missed that one date. That's at least the context in which something like this fits. However, there's another idea of a neder, which is the rabbinic idea of a neder. And the rabbinic idea of a neder is transforming the halachic status of a thing, not accepting a personal obligation. So basically you say, all payrus in the world are forbidden to me. Like, you know, and you make them 
actually a, 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 a forbidden object, not a shvua. Shvua is about things you will or won't do. This is about the status of things. This fruit is davar usher to me. And you can do that through your vow. It's like the way you can sanctify objects through your vow. You can make them forbidden through your words. That's the rabbinic idea of a neder. That idea does not seem appropriate by Tani. Now, some people want to fit it into that and speak about that what you're transforming is the day. You're taking this day, Sunday, Tuesday, and the same way you can make a fruit a dover usser, you made this day a dover usser, like a, a, you know, a forbidden thing to de- get benefit from, or you transformed it into a ta'ayom ta'anit. The same way you can make yourself, for example, into a nazir, or an animal into a korban, you can make the day into a yom ta'anit. All right, that's a, the rabbinic idea of netter. That doesn't work so well. That doesn't fit in the idea of paying up, because you changed the status of Tuesday. You didn't create a personal vow. So this seems to work much more in this biblical idea of neder, which the rabbis acknowledge and call nidre mitzvah. It's not the rabbinic idea of neder, but it's the biblical one. And therefore, that seems to be the idea here. You've created a personal obligation to do a type of a mitzvah act or to give something to God. Presumably what you're giving to God is your fasting. You know, that's the thing you're giving. And therefore, the date maybe is not so critical and that you can pay that neder up on a different date. So maybe you were a little late paying up the neder, but you're paying it up on a different day. What's the difference okay. between a, this Torah's concept of a nether yeah. and a shvuah? Um, yeah, so there's, so Shavua is about taking the name of God, and if you don't do it, you have like, the, you know, you're sort of call, calling on God as your witness, so by not doing it, you are, you know, you're being actually like, you know, that's why, it's an oath, it's an oath, right, another, yeah, to give to God, but it's about accepting a binding personal obligation. Um, okay, so now the Gemara, but anyway, this is very important, the concept of neder by ta'anit. And here Shmuel takes it for granted that it's a, a type of a neder. Okay, Rav Yehoshua braid Rav Ibi, Ikro Lubei Rav Asi. Rav Yehoshua, the son of Rav Ibi, came to the house of Rav Asi. Of the way, Igwa Tilsa, they made him this Igwa Tilsa, which is supposed to be the fanciest dish that you've got, uh, you know, in the Gemara. It's a calf, either the three, within three years old, or the third calf to its mother. Very juicy, tender calf. Okay, so they made him this uh, choice steak. Amule, um, um, they said to him, and he wasn't eating it. So they put this delicious steak in front of him, and he didn't touch it. Amule, they said to him, Lipa marmidi, taste a little bit of it. Amule, he said, Betanisa yasivna, no, I'm going to Okay, we learned before that Rabbi Yochanan would say he wasn't a tainus not to get invited to these, all these dinners. Anyway, he said, I'm in a tainus. Amule, so they said to him, wherever they is, the students or whatever, the uh, household members, the Lozif Marvulifra, so borrow against it and pay it back. You got such a juicy steak. Okay, you'll eat your steak today. You'll do your tightness on a different day. So, and like somebody once told me that they were like telling a, a, a non-Jewish friend, like a Christian friend about like, you know, how challenging it was one shot as they were running late or whatever, you know, and they were going to, you know, they were running right up against, you know, the ski and what were they going to do? I don't understand. Why can't you just like, you know, get a dispensation for that? Like, what shot is you like borrow against it or something? Oh, you get a little dispensation here, you know? You'll go ahead, you'll eat the day, eat the steak, and you'll pay up tomorrow. What's the big deal? So, um, so, no, Rosever Marimar, Lahadam, Rav Yudam, Rav, Lobaram, Taniso, Perea, so apparently it was some of the various rabbis around the table that were saying this to him you can borrow against it and this is fascinating this means you don't even need any special circumstance to borrow against it I'll pay 
yeah, I'll do it on this one day. I said I would do it today, but it's not really about today. It's about doing your time this eventually, so I can do it tomorrow. So, what? He did, but that's the fascinating thing, that somehow it assumes that even once you started observing it, you can always choose to pay it up on a different day. Yeah, so that's an interesting question, too. I'll tell you what Tosa says about this in a minute. The language here is Lozif. To borrow. Lozif. Yeah, borrow and pay back. You're borrowing against it. So I'm going to borrow today as a day of eating, and I'll pay back my fasting day tomorrow as a yeah, different day. Is that the lesson of Ziyuf? No, no, no. Lozif is there made for borrow. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, I'm sure the grammar is different. I'm sure the grammar might be different, but I'm telling you it's the Aramaic of borrow. All right. All right, fine. Okay, so... <laughs> So, Amalu, so he said to them, Tani Kolomu, no, 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 it's a fast because I had a bad dream. And that I got to do right away to fix the dream because I'm afraid about what the dream portends. The Amarav Bar Machasi, Amarav Kama, Bar Guri, Amarav, Yosatani Fuchalam Ke'ish, the new Urat, the new Urat, I guess. Uh, a, a fast is good for a dream like fire to flax. You have this dream, you want to counteract it. If you fast, it'll burn it up. The same way fire, you know, takes, you know, burns up flax like instantaneously. So, but, but, you got to fast on the following day if you wanted to counteract the power of the bad dream. The Amar of Yosef, and that's so much the idea of doing it the next day, that Rav Yosef says, that if you can have a Tanis Chalom on Shabbos, because it's the importance of doing it the next day in order to negate the bad dream. So, therefore, I can't pay this one up. If I want this to be efficacious for a Tanis Chalom, i got to do it today. So anyway, the Gemara just ends by saying, and if you fasted on Shabbos because you needed to, in order to, to counteract the bad dream, but you did something wrong, you violated the, you know, the, the, the obligation to eat on Shabbos and have on Shabbos. So how do you fix that problem? So Tanisa Tanisa. So now you have to make another fast to make up for the fast that you did on Shabbos, which was done incorrectly, which a little bit echoes the idea of paying up a fast. Right, but here you're sort of paying up, you know, the, uh, you know, the eating, you know, it's like the funny way, you, the way you pay up the eating on Shabbos that you didn't do is through sitting a fast, almost like the parallel of eating on Erev Yom Kippur that counts as a fast. So here, fasting on a different day other than Shabbos, you know, in a way you could say it gives like sanctity to the day. And I should point out that the whole scene here by Tani Yachid, although the other day we had the whole sort of raising serious questions about the religious value of Tani Yachid when it's not done done in the context of Tanit Sibur and not done in the context of a communal issue like lack of range of my own personal religious practice we raise serious questions here it's taken for granted that this is a, a meaningful and a good religious act the idea that an idea of a neder is relevant to it right if I said that I'm going to take a vow that I'm going to uh, you know f- uh, beat my self-flagellate my you know self-flagellate uh, wouldn't say well you can pay that vow up on a different day what makes it a vow as opposed to just a, a, a stupid thing to be doing so obviously the idea that it puts it in this neder mitzvah category, um, you know, is significant in terms of that earlier discussion, and the idea, again, that fasting on a different day makes up for the fact of what I did wrong on Shabbat, the fact that I fasted. How does that correspond? But if you think, well, the idea is that eating on Shabbat gives it, you know, owning Shabbat gives it special sanctity, special kedushah reflects the special nature, we replace the 
special, you know, sort of identity of Shabbat that's given through eating to make another day a special religious day, turning it into a fast day. That's one way of thinking about this idea. Um, so anyway, again, it is interesting the way this Gemara, I think, takes for granted the religious power of fasting, which was seriously questioned um, in an earlier Gemara. In terms of the question that was raised about um, can you really just easily borrow and pay up, so uh, Tosos questions it, although that seemed to be the Moskana of the Gemara. If you look at Tosos, the Imati Mitzari Nafshe, Tosos says, he reads the earlier discussion before, where Shemot said, if, if you're able to do it, do it, if not, not, to qualify this idea of borrowing. He says, Rishum Hachi Shmuel Dulova Tanisa Poreya, only if you're finding it impossible are you allowed to borrow and pay back. Okay? Now, again, I don't see how he reads that in the Gemara because the whole story with the stake does not seem like unless you really have a... Yeah, I know, I get it. Right, exactly. And here's the other point. If you've already passed breakfast or you've passed your noon meal, maybe you've already fully established today as a Tanis and you can no longer borrow. You've already established the nature of the day. And he, and he has a question about that. So again, I don't know how that fits in with the story about the stake, which seems to take it very easily, the idea of paying back a different day. But Tosus raises some serious and reasonable uh, uh, you know, re- reservations. Okay, yeah, quickly, and then we'll go on. Yeah. For the whole dream thing, if we're saying you need to do it right, you have to dream. Right, so dream, dream is the one thing, thank you. So Tani Chalom is the one thing that it doesn't require the idea of Niba Odyom, but then it raises the question how much is Odyom? central to creating it at a status of a time. So the reverse. Maybe the power of, in, of counteracting the dream doesn't require that it has the halachic status of ta'anit and therefore it doesn't, you just need, it's somehow that self, you know, denial has some power, but again, well, how that works I don't know. Okay, but that's an excellent point. So, Alright, so yes, they certainly did. Next Mishnah. Okay, so now it went, it said, it, it didn't rain by Yudzai Marcheshvan, and therefore, Hitchilu Yechilim Lihitanot. It didn't rain, rain by Rosh Chodesh Kislev, and the Sibur was Matzah Lihitanot. So I want to, and now we're going to say that it still didn't rain, but I want to, I want to alert you to a difference in language. So it's, it's the first thing we saw is Higia, you know, Yudzai into Marcheshvan, you know, below Yardu Dishamim, and the answer was, Yechidim begin to do three fasts. Okay, then it was, Yigiya Rosh Chodesh, right? I, think it says, I, don't, I don't think it says Rosh Chodesh Kislev, but anyway, that's the point. Below Yardu Dishamim, and Sibor begins to fast, and that's three. And those three are just the daytime and nothing extra. Okay, nothing extra. Okay, and now we're going to get to the more severe ones, but look how it's introduced. Let's look at the Mishnah. Avru Elu, the Lonanu, those three were uh, of the Tzibur past, and, and they were not answered. So Beitim goes in Gimel to Aniyot, wrote three more fasts, Allah Tzibur, now obviously these are communal fasts. Ochrim v'shosimi be'od yom. Here, if you want to eat and drink, it has to be before nightfall. This is a full day, starting at the night. Okay, this is what's called a, the classic Ta'anit Sibur, full, full, you know, full-blown. Not only can you not eat, you can't do labor, you, you can't work, which is fascinating. What does that have to do with Ta'anit? We'll see in the Gemara. Things where we know from Yom Kippur, bathing, anointing, wearing shoes, and sex. 
so all the additional forms of like self-denial and you lock the um, the uh, bathhouses which you should say is obvious if you can't do Rechitza maybe you, was, you can't even be open for non-Jews anyway I'll talk about that in a minute okay and that's what you do full blown fast now these three passed and they still weren't answered Basin goes in the lamb oh by the way all these fasts are Monday, Thursday, Mondays so that's the calendar for them okay it's not giving dates but figure it out it's the following Monday, Thursday, Monday Basin says seven more fasts which is Monday, Thursday, Monday, Thursday, Monday, Thursday, Monday Shehain Yud Gimel Tani Yud Al Tibor the sum total is 13 three before before they were full blown three and seven Okay, wrote shows these last seven are more expansive than the earlier ones. Shabelu Matriin, first of all, you blow the shofar. Okay, these are really like, oh my god, things are getting to be in a very very potentially like, you know, tragic, um, drastic situation. The Nolina you lock up the stores. Okay, interesting, right? Before it was anyway Asurbim Lacha, but here somehow there's a public aspect of locking the stores. Um, now on Mondays as it's getting close to dark you know people need to buy their food for their breakfast and they need to buy food for tomorrow so you a little bit ease up a little bit towards night in terms of like you allow the store people to come to the store this is about the store we'll see about this and on Thursdays where you need people to start need to buy food for Shabbos then you allow um, also per, you know people to buy stuff uh, for the sake of Kavod HaShabbat so that's a little leniencies around the stores, which we'll get to, which we'll get to. But that's parenthetical. The, the Chanuyot. Okay. Now, so before we get to the next part, I want to I want to point out to right the difference. This is Gia below Yarzu Shami. Right. The natural things didn't happen, didn't rain. We're responding to the absence of rain. Okay. So this is a, this is no rain. We need we need rain. So you fast. Here it's right. Here it's Avru Elu. Right? Below Na'anu. So here the problem is we're responding to no rain. Here what we're responding to is what are we responding to here? Right. God isn't answering us. Right? God isn't answering us. It's a different type of a response. Okay? Of a, you know, of a reaction. And by the way, the Na'anu is because you have been undergoing a Ta'anit and you were hoping for being answered, right? You wanted your tanit, you wanted to be answered, and it, what, your tanit was supposed to get God to answer, and God isn't answering. So here, you're in the inner you in the tanit, and you wanted God, but you were doing the tanit below nanu, you didn't get the result of God answering. Okay, so here, we're dealing not just with a, with a physical crisis, with a material, like, economic crisis, we're dealing with a religious crisis. Why, uh, right, why isn't God answering? Okay, and that's the importance about the shift. And the halakhic implication, one minute, is again three days, but here it is full blown. And this is what this is the classic Ta'anisibor. This is full blown, which is night before and all the extra yeah, stuff. Seven days, right? Yeah. No, first this, and then if that's not there, then you've got seven days and also creation, right, and also full blown, and this also has the idea of the Chanuyot.
of the stores are locked. You close the stores. And the other thing I do want to point out, and we'll get to this in the Gemara, is the idea of not having the stores open and not having the Merchatzaot open. But on the one hand, it's logical. If you can't bathe and you can't do Malacha, I mean, if you couldn't do Malacha starting here, then, of course, the stores are going to be closed. But the point still is, no, maybe, you know, maybe we'll make technical distinctions, you know, and under certain circumstances you can do, etc. Um, you know, it was covered Shabbos. This is not really a Malacha. But the public closing of it is a way of a giving of a public expression to what is happening, right? The whole street is different. Not only the individual behavior. You walk out, right, in the street. Like, you walk out in Yerushalayim on Shabbat. Or you walk in some, you know, you feel the day. You feel the nature of the day. The, so the bathhouses are closed. All the stores are closed. There's a profound aspect of the, sort of, of this being, and this why this is called Ta'anit Sibur, is not just because it is full-blown, but because this has the real public aspect to it, okay? And there's a re- and this is an every and that's really what we're going to see first thing mm-hmm. in the Gemara is that the you know um, is the way in which once we are dealing with this like religious crisis and you know then then really is something that the whole Sibur is really coming together and there's an impact you know a communal impact on the on what's happening yes please. With regard to the closing of the Yep. Is that a public obligation? Is this a regulatory obligation, or is this on individual store owners? No, it, it seems to be public and regulatory, right? So you know, the language is um, uh, what's the language of um, Noalim in the plural? I think. Well, no, before it was Asurim and Ochlim, so I can't be like anything from the plural. But I, you have a sense, and we'll see in the Gemara, yes, that it, it does seem to be like. Um, as you framed it, regulatory, like communal obligation, not in, not in the first place. Right. Yeah, we will find actually in the Mishnayot some discussions. I don't know if they're highly detailed, but we do find some discussions of these things. So, Can yeah. Can you say a little more on second place? Yes. Can you say a little more about the distinction between rain and answers? What are the other drop down? Oh, how would God answer us if it weren't through rain? Um, I'm not sure that in this context we're seeing any other possibility of answer through, or not non answer through rain, but I think there's a question about, uh, you know, about like, um, um, I don't know, like you know, uh, you, you know, you call up, you, you know, you you you, uh, you you know, you call up your parents because you want, uh, you know, your kid friend. You call up your parents because you need him to send you like some money in camp or whatever it is. So the first few weeks, two weeks, they're not answering. You're really annoyed because you need the money. After a while, you start being wondered, well, what is this saying about well, what, my, that my parent isn't responding to me? What is it saying about the relationship? So I'm not sure there's another form of answering or not answering. It's the question about what. What you're reading into, you know, what the what the you know what 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 the problem is that you're identifying. So maybe God isn't being so responsive here, but it hasn't yet reached a crash that you have to really start worrying about the relationship. You know, you gotta you gotta include God a little bit more, you know, because you need the rain here. You gotta start worrying about the relationship. So I don't think that there's another another version of it. I think this question is how are you responding to what it all means. Um, okay, so let's keep on going. It says like this. It says, Now, now the whole 13 has passed and you haven't gotten response. 
So ma'atim b'masau matan, you 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 decrease the amount of business you're doing. B'binyanu b'nitiab, building things and planting things. B'erusinu b'nisuin, you know, betrothals and marriages. U'b'she'elat shalom b'nadam l'chaviro, and greeting people and asking after their welfare. Um, does that sound like anything to people? Some of these practices. What? Avelut, right? Kishabaav and Avelut, right? Kibne Adam and Izofim Lamakom. And that, if you needed it to be brought home, like people that are being rejected by God. Okay? Now, what's important? So you shift from Ta'anit to Avelut. What are you not doing in this period after all those tasks haven't worked? Fasting. Fasting isn't working. I don't know. God is not answering. Fasting is not helping it. And we've got to sort of like, how are we going to deal with this? We're not changing the situation. For whatever reason, God's mad at us and he's not responding. So how do we, so what do we do? We're not going to change his mind. We try. That's not working. So we have to just accept the situation and act appropriately. And if, we're, if God, God is rejecting us, we have to demonstrate our sense of mourning over that reality of being rejected by God. So here, you're sensitive to why isn't God answering, but there's a hope that God, you can, you can work hard at it and get God to start responding. Right? After all this passes, then you shift to, what, what did I do with my pen? Then you shift to, uh, to Avelut. So you've got Avru Elu right below Nanu, and the answer is Avelut and Nizofim. Okay? And what about, I know so here, you're, here you're rejected, God isn't answering, but maybe He will. Okay? But maybe God will. Here, it's accepting, okay, you accept, you know, you accept the reality and that you're rejected, you're being rejected, and you are, you have to act, act accordingly. So you switch to mourning. If that's, if, if that's the way God feels and nothing is changing God's mind, then we have to, we have to, you know, have the right religious response to show, at least, like we say, well, what good is it going to do to demonstrate this? Well, to not demonstrate this says we don't care about the fact that God has rejected us. So if we really have internalized what all of this means, then we have to demonstrate how tragic this is. It's like, what's the Pasuk after Harsina? It's, what is it? Um, they removed us at Yame Harchorev. What's the word? What's the word? Um, anyway, but you know, like if God is telling us, we have to, what does that mean? That's terrible. We have to do something that demonstrates that we understand how tragic that is and what state that we are in right what now. What about yes. the Inuim on that third stage? Yeah. In other words, it's no longer fast, but if it's an Ave, if it's an Avelut model, I would assume you're building on... Yeah, um, not necessarily. Group. Meaning you have to identify what are the things that demonstrate Avelut. Some of them might. Like an Avel doesn't bathe and do Sicha, etc. Tashmi Shamita. That is true, you know. Others of them, you know. But yes, then it starts a question of figuring out the list of, of, of Avelut practices. All right? So let's now... So the Gemara says like this. Um, now... Um, now the Yechidim are the ones that don't give up you know and they are the ones that, are, that feel that there's always a hope A. they're more sensitive to the fact that things might be going wrong before the problems start fully right you remember the Yechidim started fasting as soon as there was an inkling that something was wrong and now they continue fasting even once there's a sense like, all right, you know, th- there's no point anymore. They're the ones that are, hi- you know, that, hi- 
have a heightened sense of the responsibility and maybe they can still do some good. Maybe we can still hope that God will respond. Um, until Nisan is over. Yatsan Nisan, that's already like five months later from when you wanted it, and Nisan has now finished, has gone, so then the Yarduga Shamim and finally it's rained? So, oh, you would say, Mom, it's wonderful, at least finally, finally, no, Simenkola. So that, <laughs> if God waited that long, then the rain at that time actually, it might actually be a quala, it might be hurtful to the crops, but more than the question of whether it is a quala or not, is that it's a simon quala. Is that by God giving it this lake, God is telling you, uh, again, a negative message. We'll see in the Gemara about the significance of that pasuk. Okay, the Siman Klala also echoes back, right, the first Mishnah, which is to ask for Gishamim during Sukkot is a, Gishamim during Sukkot is a Siman Klala. Right? So if it's Gashamim are too early, while you're still in your Sukkot of Siman Klala, you might remember that. And here, if it comes too late, it's Siman Klala, and it's all about a Siman. Again, not so much whether it's a Klala, but that it's a Siman. That God is demonstrating something about the relationship. Okay? So the interesting thing here is, again, also notice the Yechidim and their way of starting early and ending late. And maybe not only do they have a heightened sense of responsibility, but maybe as we'll see in the story of Choni and Meagel, maybe there's some sense that the Yechidim have a special relationship with God. God, that maybe they can still succeed where the Tzibor cannot. Okay, so that's interesting about the role of the Yechidim. Let's take a look at the Gemara. So the Gemara says like this, um, We understand all the things you're adding. There's a sense of indulgence, of pleasure, which fits into the concept of Tani, which is self-denial. All that makes sense. Well, we should have mentioned shoes too, but okay. Um, but not to melacha tsaru, you know? It's a, it's, it's a pain to go to work. So, I guess it depends if you like your job. So, not doing melacha is a vacation. Why is not doing melacha a, 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 you know, a, a, a meaningful thing to do on a tanit? So, I'm a I'm Sanctify a, a fast. Notice all the word of kitshu. Sanctify. We used that discussion before by ta'anit to make up for Shabbos. Okay. Kitshu tsom kiru atsara. Karu? Kiru. I think it's kiru. Kitshu tsom karu atsara. Kiru. All right. Got an exact reverse. Kitshu tsom kiru atsara. Sanctify a fast day. Call a day of gathering. Isvu gizikenin. Gather the elders. So right there in that pasuk and that central is that a fast day is not just a lot of individuals inflicting suffering on themselves, but it has something about the community coming together and owning what's going on and working on responding to what's going on. So ke'atzeret, like uh, atzeret, which is shavuos, um, or in the Torah, shmini atzeret. The same way you don't do melacha on a yantiv, you don't do melacha on a tanit. Okay, so which means again, the, I think the point being, and again, in addition to the idea of like the sanctity and the kachu of the day, it's a special day, is the idea of by not doing you know work again, it gets to this public aspect. You know, you are forcing everybody to stop their daily activities, reflect on what's going on today, and also to come together. You're not distracted, you're not going somewhere else at work, we're all going to get together and dive in. Okay, so it's an opportunity for a public sort of, you know, observance of the day and owning the what's going on. So, 
Um, when Minato Yantiv begins the night before, so why don't we say that this also begins the night before? Now the thing is, it does begin the night before, right? Because these extra three do begin the previous night. But um, so so, how do you? What, what does it mean that it's not the night before? So Rashi says. Um, you know, the Gemara hasn't spelled it out, but the Gemara will say later that the Isur Malacha only begins in the day. So why? It's not in the Mishnah, but that we're going to say later. So why here? Why doesn't the Isur Malacha already begin the night before? So Amar Rav Zera, L'didim Efarshali, was explained to me in the name of Rav Yirmiya Bar Abba, who was the one who quoted the Pasuk. Amar Kra Isfu Zekenim, Dumya Dasiv Zekenim. So the idea of calling Kiruat Sarak, calling a day of gathering, which we are also reading as making it a yantav, as it were, is like the next part of the gathering of the elders. Masiv Zekenim Biyom, the same way you gather the elders in the day, you know, at night everybody's in their house. So obviously if you're going to do a public gathering, it's going to take place in the daytime. So now it doesn't literally mean the fasting, because we're talking, but it means the, the non-doing malacha, this aspect of it also takes place during the yom during the day. So again, this idea that it's all about creating the special aspect of the day, you know, in the tragic sense and getting everybody together and having a public experience of it, that people aren't going to their works, the whole day has transformed and everybody is going to get together. So, and that's Dafka, the getting together occurs in the day, so that's why the Eastern Malachah, as opposed to everything else, only begins in the day. Everything else begins the night before. So the Gemara says, the Ema Mitira, well, maybe it should be like noontime. Like, uh, today we're getting together at noon. Noon is a good time to get people together, everybody. So why do you, how do you know you do it first thing in the morning? So, Amar Rav Shesha, Braid Rav Yidi, Messiah Leila Rav Huna, this supports Rav Huna, the Amar, Rav Huna says, Mitzafra Kinufya, the gathering should take place in the morning. Like, you get people together, you do it first thing in the morning. So, I don't know if that exactly answers it, but okay, that's the way it is. It's a good time to get people together. Hechi Avdi, how do you do it? How do you structure your day on a Yom Ta'anit? Amar Bayi Mitzafra, Pagodiyoma, from first thing in the morning until noon, Ma'ainin Bimili Damasa. We look into matters of the city. Now, what does that have to do with anything? Like, sometimes mili damasa means, like, do we, you know, who's, who, you know, who's transporting our water and are, are people paying their taxes? Like, what does that have to do with anything? So you have a town hall meeting? So if you look at Rashi, what mili damasa is, Rashi says, about eight lines from the bottom, Maybe some people have been wronged and have been stolen from or whatever, and we as a community have not righted certain wrongs. Okay, now that is again powerful because that gets to the idea of what are we going to do as a community to respond to the fact that God isn't answering not just an individual, all of us. God is seemingly angry with us as a community. Well, maybe we have to be bodek and Maybe maybe we've done something wrong, and let's see if there's some some rights that need wrong, some rights that need wrong, some wrongs that need writing, you know. And maybe that will get us back, you know, in good relationship. Now, I do want to say though, again, and this is a point that I've been making. You know, normally we think Otanis is a spurt tshuva, if God isn't answering, it's because I sinned, I have to do tshuva, and you could say, well, that's what's going on here, the community is saying maybe we have to do tshuva, but I think there's a big difference, tshuva focuses on much more of an interior process about regret, you know, you know, um, 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 you know, and, um, uh, uh, um, and, and, and a commitment not to do it in the future, self-transformation, 
Here we're talking much more about the pragmatic, you know, righting of the wrongs. Like somebody was robbed and stolen from, you know, whatever. We didn't judge the person or we didn't correct something. We didn't pay back somebody money we owe him. We're going to fix that. Okay? It doesn't mean that we're going through a whole process of, anal- of clopping out hate and, and, and fixing things so, you know, structural things so it's not going to happen again in the future. I mean, that would be lovely if we did that. But again, I don't think the emphasis here is tshuva. The emphasis is much more immediate. It doesn't focus on sin and tshuva. It focuses on the fact God is distant. If God is distant, that means something needs fixing. Fix what needs fixing. Um, so again, I just think it's a much less of, an, of, of this interior process of tshuva and much more of, you know, fixing the problems. Um, so that's the f- and at a communal level. Um, well, partly it's that. Like, we don't start asking the way, you know, Mili Damasa presumably does not include, and thank you for bringing that out, like, oh, like, uh, when, you know, uh, we're not good enough at Shemir Shabbos. We've got to do better about fixing our Eruv. I mean, you know, maybe it does, but it doesn't sound like it. Not the way, the, the phrase and the way Rashi interprets it sounds like it's Ben Adam L'chavero, number one. But the other point is, something, even in terms of Ben Adam L'chavero, if I injured you, so, or whatever, I broke your, you know, I ran into your car, I can pay, you know, if I say, you know, I never paid you for that, here's the hundred dollars I owe you. I, we wouldn't say, because I gave you the hundred dollars for, 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 for running into your car, it means I've done tshuva for it. Right? I mean, even if I was like, you know, you know, if I went ahead and I even intentionally went ahead and broke something of yours, right? So, and I paid you for it. I fixed the problem. I fixed, I, I corrected what was sort of wrong in terms of the world was a little bit out of, out of kilter and I've fixed, you know, the balance of things, but I haven't done tshuva, right? But now not my tshuva. It's about fixing like what's out of balance, what's out of place. Is, is that clear? I mean, even in Bein Adam L'chavero, you could talk about a tshuva process or just about a, you know, a, a, a justice problem, a restitution and making things right. Okay, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I do think there's a very different focus here. Um, okay, so now it says, from that point onward, so we're working as a community to figure out what we got to do. Fasting is not necessarily, you know, the answer to everything. Maybe, this, maybe it's, it's an opportunity to come together and to grapple with it together. So now that we're all together, we're going to talk about what are the things we have to be working on and making things better as a community. Okay, Mikan Ve'eluk, from that point on, Riva Diyoma Karinam Bistafra Vastarta. So for a quarter of the day, we're going to read from the Sefer Torah and the Haftarah. So maybe we'll do uh, liturgy and maybe we'll do like also type of religious reflection, because especially the readings you do are ones that cause for like religious reflection. Mikan Ve'eluk, the Inan Rachameh, and the last part, we, we, we pray. Okay, it's quite fascinating. We've been talking all along about Ta'anid and its connection to prayer. Here it emphasizes that the heightened aspect of prayer, you know, is when, is at the end of the process. First you try to, you know, fix things, as it were, before you turn to the prayer. Shene'emar, as the verse says, Fayakumu alam damba yikaru So there's actually a postdoc that talks about this. Yivita yam, so they were reading from the Torah for a quarter of the day. Um, and the last quarter, they were, uh, they were, you know, uh, saying confession and bowing down and praying to God. So again, it's quite fascinating, you know, that the prayer here comes at the end. Like the first thing is, you know, it's sort of like echoing the Nevi'im, right? And by the Tanit, right? You know, what, what's the Pasuk in Yeshayahu that we read on Yom, on Yom Kippur? It's, uh, you know, um, you know, so, you know, is this the type of fast I want that you keep on fasting and you're not correcting all of the ills of the society? To make it a meaningful fast, it has to transform how you're going about it.
happen how you're acting and the type of a, the type of a community you are right and again also there there's a lot of a Ben Adam Lechavero you know focus so that's fascinating until this we never would have imagined it you know Tanit is, is with Tefillah and that's the emphasis of the Mishnah here no the first thing it does is it gets us focusing on setting things right Let's figure out how we can set things right. Okay, so the Gemara now says, Eibuchana, maybe I should reverse the order. First start praying, right? So no, Rosaka Daitach, that doesn't make sense. You know, Dixiv, the verse says, They lie us for again by Ezra, Kol Charei Bidvarj Elohei Yisrael, Al Ma'al HaGolai, everybody gathered to me about the, you know, about the trespass, uh, you know, in the exile, all about all the sins that they had and the intermarriage and all that, and we to, that was like the whole focus initially. Dixiv, and then it says, after all that focus on Mili Damasa, what's wrong communally, although again, there, David, going back to your question, I think some of that there was uh, intermarriage and religious sin, and not only Ben Adam Lechavero, um, but it says there, and only in the afternoon did I then not get up from my fast, meaning meaning stop fasting, but no, like I shifted gears and brought, you know, and, and, and cried out to God. There's an interesting line in Rashi here. Rashi says, if you look about ten lines down, Rashi says, doesn't mean I stopped eating. I, I, I stopped fasting, I started eating. In the, from the midst of my um, anger, you know, my, my, my suffering and my uh, rended garments, the imshani korea begadai umi and with my rent garments, hayiti mitpalel, I prayed in that state, in order that God would find favor. Which speaks again to the relationship of ta'anit and tefillah, that praying in a state of you know, suffering and being miserable and owning the tragedy is a way of basically saying God should listen to our prayers. Look how miserable are we are. Look how we understand what it means that you're not answering to us. Have compassion on us. You know, recognize the state we're in. So I think that's important in terms of the intersection of the two. But what's more important in terms of the larger Gemara here is that the focus, the fasting comes at the end. The focus first comes on, you know, fixing what they are doing. You know, and again, one of the things we'll hear, right, that the, you know, that the Darshan says when they have the public fast is, what does it say by Anshay Ninve? It doesn't say Vayaret Sakam Betanitam. It says Vayaki Shavumi Darkam Hara'a. Okay? So, again, maybe it is getting a little bit closer to the Shuv idea, and the Psukim here by Ezra are, um, are more, you know, going back to David's question, not just Ben Adam Lechadero, but also about Ben Adam Lemakom, or you might want to say Ben Adam Lechibur, the impact of having all this intermarriage and the communal. But nevertheless, it's the community taking responsibility for fixing things and fixing their relationship with God, which has to do with fixing, perhaps, the ways they are acting as a community. And, again, I'm not so sure that I associate this exactly with the nature we tend to focus about the interior process of Teshuvah. Okay, so let's continue. But again, and that is the priority. Now the Gemara continues. Amar Avchizda, Koshu Mishum Avel. Now we have a nice discussion, so we have a nice discussion about this powerful other aspect of, or maybe even a primary aspect of what the fast is. Now we're going to discuss different days in which we have these self-denials and the different types of meanings that they can have. Also, the end of the Mishnah, I'll remind you, is the Avelut aspects so now we're going to look at things that are about Ta'anit and things that are about Avelut. 
Anything type of a, an observance that is about mourning, like Tisha B'Av, the Avel, or actual Avelut, Asur Bein Bechamin Bein Betzoning. So you cannot have not, not hot water or cold water. Um, even cold water is forbidden. Meaning even though as an Avel you are, you are permissible to eat, but in terms of these other ways of demonstrating how miserable you are, how detached you are from your daily activities, you don't even have cold water. But anything that the focus is not mourning, but the focus is pleasure and indulgence, you go to Anitzibur, like a Tanitzibur, where you don't do all of these other practices also about bathing and anointing, but the focus is not to demonstrate mourning, it's to demonstrate sort of suffering, with Tzibur is the phrase the Gemara used, or to, or to embrace suffering. So in that type of a thing, it's only hot water would be a Tanug, an indulgence, cold water would be permissible. So here it seems to be that the line is that there's things that are an indulgence that are conceived to be like pleasures you know also that have to do with what we're like habituated to right like the person you know you know who goes camping but needs the, the necessities of life like uh, running water and air conditioning so you might say running water is a necessity air conditioning is a pleasure but for some people they're both pleasure you know they're both uh, you know necessities right so a lot of these things have to do with what we're sort of accustomed to but you understand the difference between a sense of like not indulging in pleasures as opposed to accepting suffering of course you might have said that, that the, it would be reversed Tanit is about suffering eating is not an indulgence it's a necessity so maybe by the Tanit it has to be saying and the most phrase is Litzirei Navshei right so maybe Avelut the problem should more be a one about indulgence but it's so fascinatingly the Gemara takes it the opposite way and says that I mean maybe because of Tani you're already fasting so I don't know but the additional ones are more about as indulgences you don't have to get to the level where it's complete self-denial whereas for Avelut it's more strict now why is it more strict? you know what's the concept by Avelut? So you could go two ways. You could say Avelut is also about suffering. You know, I'm so, somebody is demonstrating how miserable they are because uh, this person has passed away and the way they honor the dead and they demonstrate or they, they you know, actualize their own feelings or whatever is by giving the expression to it of look how miserable I am. I'm not even indulge, you know, doing any of these types of things. And, there's, and maybe it's a way that's more even serious and more weighty than the Ta'anit because maybe it's so highly personal. Um, you know, the other possibility of thinking about it is just the sense almost like the um, you know like the uh, like, like, like the I mean maybe this isn't the best example but sort of like the Nazir who grows his hair wild and so on you know Avelut is removing yourself from society so a person is so caught up in their misery and suffering and the loss that they can't even spend the time to do even like the natural things that it requires to take care of their body they can't even bathe, they can't even shave, you know. So it's like, it's like this is again to sort of focus on the experience of the Abelut, rather. So there's a difference as whether it's about misery and suffering, right? So we'll let the person eat. It's not a tanit, you know. Guys got to, you know, can't fast for seven days and so on. But it's about giving full expression to that and it's maybe in a heightened personal way. Or maybe we could think about even a different track about what it all means by Abelut. The Gemara doesn't tell us what it means. It just says Abelut is more serious. It's just about, ta- about tanit then it's only a problem of cold water and not of hot water. Exactly. Uh, only a problem of hot water and not of cold I water. I thought it was interesting, by the way, that an avail is not obligated to fast. Now, right. You could imagine 
Right. 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 But the Gemara said, yeah, again, we'll see. Maybe that's seen as a concession, you know, and it is true. Sometimes a person is sitting shiver the whole day, going to my point about like, you know, and hasn't even seen, thought about eating the whole day, right? So it's like, just, it's not thinking about and totally focused on this. So look, we had a little bit about that before, about one of the powers of a Tanit and a Tanit Tzibor, that it focuses the Tzibor on what needs to be focused on. But yes, it is interesting. Okay, Rashi says that the reason Avelut is more Chamur, Rashi's language is, the eat Tzara Tuva. Okay? So again, that highly personal sense of tragedy and suffering, but it does then raise the issue about there is no Ta'anit that is going on. Okay. And maybe that's just a concession to, you know, basic needs, as we'll see a little bit later. So the Gemara says like this, we, I have support for this in our Mishnah that it's only an issue of hot water on a Ta'anit Tzibor. Because the Mishnah says, you close the bathhouses. Bathhouses were steam houses. It was about it being hot water. It's like, you know, it's so that emphasizes that it's all about the hot water. So Amalei Abaye, Abaye said back to him, the Ibitsonian Usser, look, let's, it, what, would, what would you have wanted the minister to say, assuming that you couldn't even use cold water on a fast day? Should it said you close up the rivers? Meaning, so you can't do anything about the cold water. So it could be cold water is Usser, but it had nothing to say about the cold water. So the Gemara says, so, is that what you wanted it to say? So Amar of Sheshav Reid Ravidi Abba Hachi No, here's what was his uh, problem. Here's what here's what was his you know what bothered him about the mission. What he wanted to infer from the Mishnah. Michti. Let's take a look. Tanan It already says you don't bathe. Knowing the Merchatzos Lamali, why add that aspect? Isn't that a logical conclusion of being forbidden to bathe? So. Uh, so Elalav Shmami not must be if it's repeating it even though you could have figured that out it's to underscore that it's about hot water Bechami Maser Betzonin Mutter okay I also said again I think you can also read into this the public aspect because you know it's like it's like stores that are open during the nine days kosher restaurants that serve meat during the nine days it's like you know maybe somebody's a chola maybe somebody whatever there are reasons why somebody might have an exemption maybe the miners wanted to go to the bathhouse okay so there's an aspect of making it a public observance um, but anyway, nevertheless, the Gemara wants to infer from the repetition that it's about hot water. Let's try to give a proof to this that it's about that it's that on the uh, that on the other days it's about cold water and uh, and there's two things to prove: a on things of avelut it's cold water, and b on fast days it's just hot water. Let's try to prove the cold water point. All people that have to go to the mikvah and you know this isn't. A talking about women, the focus, I mean, it includes women, but the focus here is other people that have, you know, Balkari, other people that day of going to the mikvah falls out on Tisha B'av or falls out on Yom Kippur, you go even on Tisha B'av and on Yom Kippur. That's not the way we pass him, but that's this position. So, but now, why do you have to tell me you go on Tisha B'av? Yom Kippur will bracket for now. That's, by the way, notice that's one thing that's not discussed. We have Mishum Abel and Mishum Ta'anit. Which is Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur is an Avelus, but is it just about a Tanit? Or are there other aspects to the identity of Yom Kippur? Because Yom Kippur, by the way, is Asr even in cold water. So in our category, Tanit is hot water and Avel is even cold water. We should note that Yom Kippur is also forbidden even in cold water, but that's maybe a third category. So we'll just bracket Yom Kippur. Let's focus on Tisha B'Av. So, what, what type of water are we talking about about going to the mikvah? If it's a nice heated mikvah, that's the problem of going on Tisha B'Av. So, who gets, uh, where do you get hot water for your mikvah? That would have to be drawn
on water because you heat it up over fire and then you pour it into the mikvah. Now, you could say, aren't there other ways to heat it up? Okay, but anyway, and can't you pour it in and the mikvah already has enough cold, enough natural rainwater, so adding extra water isn't a problem. But anyway, the Gemara says, Let's ass- we, we should assume we're not going to the mikvah in hot water. So, Elulah Betsonin, we're talking that the mikvah is cold. The Chayvet Silas in, and the only people that can go to the mikvah on Tishabav are people that have to go that day. A normal person not, so it's pretty clear. The mikvah is cold water, and there's an exception for Chayvet Silas, which shows that on the general rule on Tishabav and parenthetically Yom Kippur is not even cold water. So, maybe it's talking about a scenario where your mikvah was the hot springs of Tiveria and was natural hot water. Maybe it's a scenario of hot water. So, the Gemara said, no. Let's look at the end. And this is the way we passed in. So, focusing on Tisha B'Av, bracketing Yom Kippur, look, the destruction of the temple is a good enough reason to miss going to the mikvah one day, even if it's the right day. So you don't go to the mikvah on Tisha B'av. So now, what's the problem? Via Martha Besonin Mutter, if there's always an option of cold water on Tisha B'av, so Yerchot Besonin, what is this big deal? He says, oh, it's got to be Yasser on Tisha B'av. Just go in a cold mikvah. So it seems pretty clear there are no options, that the problem is cold water. Amr Papa, so Papa says, Well, maybe there is no cold mikvahs. Maybe the whole Brisa is talking about a case where all you have is hot water and that's the only option. Again, that's a really big stretch. It makes it pretty clear that there's no options of, you, you, by going to the mikvah, you're confronting the surim of Tisha B'Av. Either you say you go anyway, or you say like Reb Hananiah that you don't go, but it seems like you're going to run, there's no other option. So it's a very big stretch to limit the Mishnah to hot water, the simple sense of the brighter, but the simple sense of this brighter seems to say very strongly half of what was being said. That on Tisha B'Av, even cold water is Asr. We don't know necessarily the other half about Avelut, right? Uh, about, about a normal Tanit, right? But, you know, things, and, you know, about this Tanit Sibur, but we do not, but this seems to, you know, sort of solidify the first half, or the second half, that, uh, that on t- things that are because of Avelut and Tisha B'Av, even cold water. Whether things that are just because of Tanit are only hot water or not has not yet been proven. Okay, so we will continue um, with this discussion and see about the hot and cold water uh, tomorrow.